Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. everybody and uh, tonight's a special show nightlight was created to try to try to shed some light in the darkness of things that happen from time to time it's it was a show created to help everybody understand different levels of, of what what's going on in the world and how we deal with it and so tonight is a very special show because we're going to be covering end times and COVID with Gary Wayne, uh, who is a favorite, favorite author of mine, and he's been on the show a number of times, and always he has been able to sort of open up the door to understanding in, in a lot of different aspects of the Bible and, and historical knowledge. And so tonight he is, he is going to be sort of working with us on, in, a, on a di- in a different way, in a different manner, and yet still sharing his expertise with us in his own unique way. He is a Christian contrarian who has maintained a lifelong love affair with biblical prophecy, history, and mythology. His extensive study has encompassed the Holy Bible and Gnostic scriptures, the Qumran, the Gita, Gilgamesh, and other ancient epics, language, etymology, and secret society publications. His book, a favorite of mine, I might add, uh, the Genesis 6 Conspiracy, How Secret Societies and the Descendants of Giants Plan to Enslave Humankind, has been well-received and read by great numbers of the population. Tonight he's, he returns to us to speak of the end times and the COVID virus and the implications that society and humanity faces in the days that are yet to come. It's a, it's a topic that is um, disquieting to some and fascinating to others and poppycock to still others but uh, no matter which aspect you're coming from Gary will absolutely entrance you with his knowledge and his wisdom and his his understanding of what has been going on over time so welcome to the show Gary hi you there Gary well thank you for inviting I am my mic was flashing in and out. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> so thank you for inviting me back, and uh, so happy to be with you. And uh, I guess, you know, really wanting to have a really good conversation tonight on the topic, and normally I would say excited to talk about it, but in in a lot of aspects, a lot of things that we're going to talk about tonight is it may be very, very interesting and important, but exciting is probably not the right word. So, But I think what it will be is fairly enlightening for people, and that's really what we're trying to do. So, Yeah, I, I know a lot, of, a lot of people have talked about how COVID feels like it's in times, and, and in many ways it does. Um, and it's... Um, I think it's important for people to understand the implications that are out there and and understand what their options are to dealing with it and, and preparing themselves and their lives and their families for what is yet to come. So um I I guess, you know, you know, let, let's jump right in and, and you know, how do you connect COVID to the end times? Yeah, and it's it's a question that I get asked all of the time is, you know, are we in the time of the end times? Are we somewhere with the seals being opened or even further? And how close would we be to the end time? And anybody who is somewhat aware about end time prophecy, this is going to stand out to a certain degree. Um, But what I like to do is sort of take a step back for people and say, let's get things sort of in order in a chronology so that we can better understand where we are and what is happening, how that fits into the end time, which is probably the best way of looking at it as opposed to being in the last seven years at this at this point in time. So when we look at end time prophecy, I think it's always important to refer to what Jesus had said as the spirit of prophecy and as the word of God and put all the prophecy and details around what he said and the chronology that he provided. And I know a lot of people think that in Matthew 24 or Mark 13 or Luke 17 and Luke 21, that there's a large contingency of people who say it's not chronological, it's topographical or topical. And it's a good argument, except that the language doesn't really sort of stand up to the to close sort of scrutiny and one of the key words that are used is used quite often in whatever translation that you're using in English whether it's KGV or NASB or whichever one that you prefer it says the word then in in terms of talking about the events and that's the Greek word tote which means at that time and then or thereafter and when and so it's used in a way when he's giving you the end time signs that these things are going to be in a chronological order. And then he marks it in the middle of the last seven years with the abomination that the prophet Daniel was talking about. And, of course, in Daniel 9, you get the seven-year covenant negotiated by the rising Antichrist for Babylon that sets the last seven years in motion And in the middle of the seven years is the abomination when he stops the sacrifices 
by the Jewish people that are permitted by the covenant in the first three and a half years will no longer be permitted on a wing or an extremity or overspreading of the temple. And that marks his rise to the abomination, which is setting himself up to be Antichrist in the temple. And so then he reigns for three and a half years with the mark of the beast. So the first thing that we sort of understand with the chronology that Jesus is laying out is that matches up with Daniel, which overlays perfectly onto the same kinds of allegories and time frames and days as what Revelation has, but all guided by how Jesus is providing the chronology. But very early on in in the presentation that, that Jesus is presenting to the disciples, he starts to give them very clear details in terms of what to expect. And that's going to be guided as you get later on into Matthew and, and, and into Mark and into Luke. After verses 15 to 20, that's the time of the abomination. And after that, you're going to get some end time, or last three and a half year chronological events in the order that they're going to happen. And you're also going to get at the close of that two overarching signs that cover the whole period and all the other events will fall into in the chronological order that they were laid out. And those two are the fig tree generation and that that generation of the fig tree won't pass until all of those things that he has said are fulfilled. And the other overarching sign is as in the days of Noah, which is the exact same words that is used to describe the life of Noah in, in Genesis 9.29, where it says, in the days of Noah were 600 years before the flood and 350 years after the flood. So you've got giants on both sides of the flood. You've got an apocalypse that is happening with the, with the flood. And then also within the 350 years afterwards, you have the Sodom and Gomorrah destruction by fire, which is kind of relevant to the end-time apocalypse of fire as Luke connects it to, not only does he talk about the days of Noah, but also the time of Lot. So having sort of set that, the key sort of, other than when does the fig tree generation start, you get one set of prophecies at the beginning that starts in Matthew 24, 6, and goes through to verse 9, and it's called the... Times the, the times of sorrow, and those are the birth pangs. As you take sorrows back to the Old Testament, it's going to be defined as the labor process, the, the time uh-huh. of delivering uh, a baby into the world. That's the allegory, and the allegory is, is that those birth pangs are going to start in the fig tree generation. They will get stronger and more intense, and closer together as you get into the end time and get into the seal judgments. And those four are those four events are that are the birth pangs are the earthquakes, wars and rumors of war, famine, and pestilence. And they are going to get stronger as they go until the time of the seals, which is probably just before the start of the last seven years. 
And at the close of the seals, you get 25% destruction of everything on the earth, including people. Followed later on into just before the midpoint of the last seven years, you have the trumpet judgments that are going to destroy 30% of the people, 33% of the people, and 33% of everything on the earth. And then in the last three and a half years, you're going to get the bold judgments, which are going to destroy everything except that Jesus would step in to prevent those things from happening, uh, from the whole earth and all the flesh being destroyed. And so you see that progression of the strength. And these pandemics will tend to work in concert with each other and will actually feed off of each other in the anarchy that they're going to be uh, creating. And so when we look at what we're at today is we're seeing in the last, say, 20 or 30 years with various forms of uh, pandemic scares, this is the first one that really registered. And it, it, it may or may not be coming to a close, but if it's coming to a close with COVID, expect some more pandemics and start to dig into, we need to start digging into some of the details of what's going on with the birth pains and how they're connected and that when we fully understand that these birth pangs and the catastrophic events in the end time are typically caused by human causes, then we really need to look at these things as being contrived catastrophes trying to bring about the end time. So I'll, I'll, I'll just sort of stop there, and I'm sure you've probably got a thousand questions, Barbara. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, the fig tree generation, I, I don't remember what that is, but, but it, it, you know, leading into the time when the seals are broken and then, so we're not talking, in other words, we're, we're not talking this happening within the next, oh, year or so. This is, this is a, a process. This is a, um, a countdown, but it's a countdown. It, it feels like it's of many years. I mean, Noah had 120 years to build the ark. Um, so, are we being are we being given 120 years for this process, is, or is there just no telling? Well, that that's a good question. So, when we look at the fig tree generation, the fig tree is a tree that Jesus. Um, Killed while he was still alive. He caused it to die. And uh-huh. the fig tree is an allegory for the southern tribe of Judah and its coexisting sort of tribes in the southern empire, which was Judah. And they were known as the fig tree in the Old Testament and in prophecy. And so that was a sign that when that when you see that fig tree in bloom again, which is Judah visible Judah as we understand them today, separate from the northern tribes, which are Israel, which were lost into uh, the nations around the world. When you see the fig tree back in the covenant land, know that, you know, all of these things I've talked about are going to happen. And so when we look at a generation, we get a few different options biblically. One would be that it's a typical reign of a king, which is 40 years, and a lot of people would make 
the case for 40 years. Some people would go to the Psalms and say it's 70 years. Uh, and others, uh, like myself, would say we should be also open to Genesis 6-3, which, not without coincidence, is and the verse that, that you had quoted, the story of the Nephilim creation in the preamble before the flood. And, of course, uh-huh. the 120 years, in terms of what my research shows and taking it back to Hebrew, is that that's not the 120-year commission of Noah because the math doesn't add up. It's only 100 years from the time when we get the genealogies in five at the end of chapter 5. Then you get the start of Genesis 6-1 and the giant story, then it's booked in again with its commission. And the time frame there adds up to 100 years with the genealogy before he goes on to the ark and, and the birth of the sun. So there's not enough time for that commission. If you take that back, that's a lifetime. It's the immortal Nephilim in terms of how I look at that verse and, and everything that sort of goes along with it, that all life, including the giants, were going to be limited to 120 years going forward. And that's why you see oh, okay. the ages after the flood get less. So it could be 120 years. So it gets to be important to know what kicks off the timetable for that last generation. So a lot of people would look at 1947 uh, when Israel declared to be a nation and fought the battle and won it in 1948. But the important year is 1947 when they declared that. And I think that's a legitimate argument. Another date one might look at would be 1967 when they gained control of Jerusalem. And essentially all end-time prophecy centers around Jerusalem, which would be more, if we are in the fig tree generation, it would be more likely to start from there. So if you're looking at 40 years, we would be past the start of the last seven years. But if you're looking at 70 years, well, now we're in that window that it could be from, you know, now to 2037. If it's 120 years, then it would be a lot longer. So I tend to look more that it's not going to go the full extent of the generation and look kind of more towards that 70-year number, uh, just looking at where we are in, in events that are going on and knowing that maybe from 2030 to 2037 might be a good candidate for that last seven years or it might tag on at the end of the 2037. We're not told exactly sort of how that plays out because in the prophecy of the weeks of the years, which Daniel 9:27 is the end of, it's sort of inserted on top. And now what's also really interesting is that there was a prophecy that was made by, and this is not in the Christian Bible, um, but it's it's well understood, and people can look it up on the Internet if, if they were wanting to take the time, but there was a fellow in the 12th century, uh, Rabbi Judah ben Samuel, who made a very, very famous set of prophecies um, of jubilees, and 10 sets of jubilees, and for people aren't familiar with the Jubilee, that's every 50 years. And so 10 sets of that would be uh, 500 years in terms of how it would play out of 10 sets of 50 Jubilees. And he said it from the time of the 
rise of the official Ottoman Empire until its fall is a couple of key mark, uh, marking stones in that prophecy. So the start would be the start, which was 1517, and when it collapsed was 1917, and that would be eight jubilees or 400 years. And then it would be Noah's land for another 70 years, which would take you to 1967, or actually 1977. So uh, just doing the math. <laughs> and so you have that period, and sometimes math wasn't always my best subject. <laughs> um, but so you have that period where it's described as no man's land, where it's not totally being ruled over. And that's where that Jerusalem sort of centered aspect comes about it, because Israel doesn't take Jerusalem until 1967. And then you have another 70 years thereafter. So if you go from there, you could go up as far as 2044 when that would end out. But within the context of the Jewish understanding of this, as they believe that 1917 is also the start of the Magianic period. And so you get that sort of coming together and everything pointing. And I don't like to get specific on dates. I'm more or less just looking at the information that we have. I, I don't want anybody to think I'm trying to be a prophet or anything like that. I'm just laying down the details of what we know. So what I would say is if we are in that fig tree generation and it's going to be like the days of Noah, we're just catching up to the days of Noah with the technology and everything that they had to absolutely destroy the earth with their technology. And if you look at what is said about uh, the time of the flood is the whole earth was corrupt and not just the violence that people think or not just the godlessness or not just the not expecting the, the apocalypse that was about to come, but the whole earth was corrupt. And that's the Hebrew word shakas. And what that word um, translates to with several different meanings all in the same direction is, is to destroy, to decay, to ruin, to degrade, and all words kind of like that. And so the whole earth was corrupted. That means all the plants. That means all of the animals. And that means all of the human beings either corrupted physically and or spiritually, except for the eight that were chosen to start anew. And so when we look at the technology that we're just getting to today, we're now in that ability to corrupt the plant genomes. We're in the stage where we can start manipulating DNA. And we can start to do even more as, as we go further. And so this is the technology that we're just getting up to. And when I look at things that polytheism as in the Gnostics and Freemasonry would look at the structures that were built before the flood that were a monument to that civilization. Structures like the pyramid that they would credit comes from Enoch, son of Cain, and that knowledge, and combined with the knowledge from the gods or the fallen angels, depending on what belief system that you're in, was what was used to build these pyramids or Machu Picchu, or all of these other monuments that we can't build today to that degree of sophistication in joints, in terms of dimensions, and the weights of the rocks, and encode it with 
sacred geometry and all sorts of mathematical ratios and in sacred sort of uh, numbers and astrological alignments. We can't do that today, and that suggests that we're just catching up to them to be like the days of Noah. And I think we're in that window, and I think the pandemic that we're seeing with COVID is is part of the most significant aspect that we're seeing of the birth pangs with the startup of the pandemics, which could lead to... to to uh, famine, which could lead to wars. And they're all starting sort of to, to come together, and they will work together as, as we get closer to the end time. So I think that the only other birth pang that we're seeing that is having a significant sort of presence or increase would be the amount of earthquakes that are going on, which are getting stronger as we go and more often and we're not getting accurate information as to why that is. Well, <clears throat> certainly there have been plagues throughout time. This is the first one that appears to be man-made. And um, that's horrifying. And as far as the earthquakes and tidal waves and things like that, a lot of those appear to be man-made as well so that so that the corruption that that you know we are feeling as a species it it feels like we're doing it to ourselves and you know that's that's really rather horrifying um you know i can't prove that but but from what i've read and from what i've seen harp has the ability to manipulate the weather and and as far as destroying crops, absolutely, because you know nanotechnology is being used on the crops and our and the the different species of the different kinds of vegetables and fruits that are out there are diminishing greatly because they are just signaling it you know going and focusing on one particular kind <clears throat> so there is there is that aspect of we are taking such control of nature, we're not allowing nature to be nature. And in so doing, we are corrupting the natural flow of the energy of the earth. And, you know, the earth could, could really take great offense. Um, and and, it, yeah, it, and does, it, it does... As, as, a, as a living being, it could absolutely react, right? As not as a, yeah. as a sentient being, but sort of a, you know, a holistic organism is sort of what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah and, and and you know you look at some of the events that are going on right now with uh, a possible build up again uh on the borders of the Ukraine uh and you look at what China's doing in terms of uh, saber rattling to take Taiwan and to to expand into Southeast Asia and we have a president that's probably not going to stand up to them in fact he seems to be more opening the door to them and is almost becoming a vassal president uh, in his approach uh-huh. to them. Uh, he may, you know, the odd, the odd time and say something that um, may fly in the face of that, but not consistently and not often. And so I think if you have that happen, you're starting to see some of that wars and rumors of wars that will be working alongside these these, these other birth pangs. And all of this is going to be needed to bring about that 10 king 
empire of the end time, which is groups of nations. They're empires. They are. It's a global um, empire made up of groups of nations or trading blocks or spheres of influence that are going to be required to make that up. So I think we're starting to see that rattling. And it's not that China or Russia don't want to participate in the new world order. They just want a larger role in the new world order. And I like to call it the new the Nephilim world order that they're trying to reinstate as an NWO. So I think those things are, are starting to come closer. And it's that contrived nature about it that I was talking about, that these are self-inflicted birth pangs because they're trying to bring about globalism and they're trying to bring about a rendezvous with destiny to have a showdown with the God of the universe. And they want to bring it about. And they want to bring it about sooner than the ordained times, but they'll accept the ordained times if they have to, and of course they will. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also the, the, the murmurings of uh, the second coming has already happened and that he's in, uh, gosh, Benjamin Krem was talking about him for a very long time. Uh, Benjamin Krem has since passed away, but his replacement um actually wanted to come on the show to talk about the fact that uh Jesus was back and he'd reincarnated and so that so that while there's always been like during the times of Jesus that there were lots and lots of people that claimed to be a messiah um this is the first time that that I've I've heard of somebody actually claiming to be the reincarnation of Jesus or the second coming of Jesus so you know well it's an been, essential it's an it's an essential doctrine to sort of understand the end time is that everything is going to be counterfeited uh, from a uh-huh. Christian perspective. Everything's going to be counterfeited. So they have to duplicate everything that Jesus did and come before. And in so doing, we get prepared for that with this idea of incarnation, that there will be this incarnation like a Buddha figure who was the incarnation of Vishnu. And it will be that again, and that when when he comes, he's going to have this additional power through the avatar, avatara effect, as, as they would call that. And uh-huh. that is how, part of how they're, they're, they're going to try and de-deify Jesus back to another one who had an incarnation um, and was given additional wisdom and everything, but wasn't, the word of God, he was just a prophet like Buddha, like Mohammed, like Zoroaster, like all the ones that they'll list that were sent to help humankind along the path to and along the way to Godhood. The thing is, is that Antichrist will also have that incarnation and will have that that fallen angel or God that is entering into him in a symbiotic relationship to give him more power. And we actually get biblically an example of how that works. I think there might be two of those with the, the serpent in Eden, but and with the same fallen angel, Satan actually enters into Judas at the time of Jesus' first coming to help him get over the hump of betrayal with uh, betraying Jesus as he's struggling with that. And that's part of that avatar sort of concept where he adds that courage and the, and the power to do that. In the end time in Revelation 13, 
we're instructed that Antichrist, the true Antichrist, not the Antichrist wannabes, and we're very, very, very much instructed in the epistles of John and in in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 that there will be multiple Antichrists, not just one, Antichrist plural. So there's going to be a lot of ones that people are going to say, that's Antichrist, that's Antichrist, and there's going to be a lot of confusion about it. The true Antichrist will actually receive the power of the dragon in Revelation 13, which is likely Satan, as he's described as a dragon in Revelation 12, but it could be somebody like Azazel, who was a seraphim angel, and they were fiery Uh serpent-faced angels, and who had six wings and were typically understood as a serpent, flying serpent, which is also understood as a flying dragon. But he's going to receive the power from the dragon, whichever way you want to look at that. And I think that happens after he receives that mortal head wound in Revelation 13 and has a counterfeit resurrection. And then he'll go on to, so this will happen before he comes to power, and he's going to require a counterfeit Armageddon to sort of polish off and uh, the, the credentials that Jesus uh, has prophesied about him. So he's going to have to do that before. And I think that happens just before the midpoint of the last seven years with that 200 million man war after the abyss has been opened. That's in Revelation 9. And that's the same war as in Joel 1 and 2, but not Joel 3, which is the Armageddon War and Ezekiel 38 and 39, which is the Gog War. And he'll take credit for winning that war, and then he will move his armies, as Luke talks about and Daniel talks about, to Jerusalem, where he's going to set himself up as God in the temple that was reestablished as a temple for Jewish people, as well as uh, the Islamic people, for that last seven years. And at that point, he stops the sacrifice of the Jewish people, and you start the last three and a half years. So I think this incarnation aspect, to bring that full circle, is something we need to understand, and that Christians in particular ought not to be pointing to every president that comes along and calls that person Antichrist, because there's going to be Antichrists that are going to be presented all around the world, you have, like, say, the Mahdi or the, the Shia sect of Islam that has um, an Antichrist-type figure, or, I'm sorry, a Messiah-type figure, as they would look at him. And the Sunni have another one that's different than the Shia. You have Lord Maitreya from um, the Hindu uh, and Buddhism uh, religions that they're expecting in the end time. And so there's going to be many of the, these figures that are going to be, you know, positioning and jockeying to try and become that Antichrist. And Gog, if you take Gog back to the Greek meaning in the New Testament, which is based on the Hebrew meaning, not only does it mean, because Gog isn't in the, in the uh, table of nations. It's not like Magog, uh, which uh-huh. is, and one of the sons of Japheth. Gog is not in the genealogy. So this Gog of Magog, Gog was actually the offspring of Iapetus, uh, a parent god before the flood, and, you know, along with uh, Elbion and, uh, and Magog were also giants. So the uh, Magog of the Japheth uh, lineage would be 
you know, named after a giant. But Gog actually also means an end-time Antichrist-type figure. So he's got, that's going to be one of the wannabes that are going to really confuse people. And we need to understand yeah, yeah. that even even the elect are going to be deceived if, if that were possible, as Jesus explains to us, that it will happen, that even the elect will be deceived. Oh, yeah. No, I can, you know, when when I look at what's going on in the world today, we, we have the increased national disasters. We have increased in lawlessness, protests, strikes, crimes, all of that. That's there. False prophets are out there. They aren't real demonstrations. You know they aren't real um, prominent yet, but they're they're getting there. Um, there's, there's calling good evil and evil good. That's happening. Depraved entertainment, absolutely. Um, without self-control, increased blasphemy, absolutely. Global cry for peace. Now that hasn't. Well, that sort of has happened, but I don't think there's enough war out there yet for there to be a global cry for peace, but the use of nuclear weapons is certainly um, on the table, and, and the fear is that someone will actually use it, and, and I do believe that that probably will happen. But all of this is in the works, and you see the crumbling of society as it's happening, and and it's... Um, and you know things have to things have to be torn apart before they can be rebuilt. Um, but but when you're looking at the biblical stuff and and there, is is there not already a te- I I thought there was a temple a small temple anyhow on the Temple Mount. There is. That's the uh, Islamic mosque. So for. The Jewish people, and that's one of the biggest, the two, two biggest obstacles need, that need to be resolved before we can get into the end time is, is we need end time Babylon, which is the allegory that comes out of Babel, which says Babylon is rooted in the Hebrew word Babel. Uh, and the Babel religion that was at the time of the Tower of Babel and Nimrod, an archetypical antichrist type figure, uh, and this polytheist mystical religion to come to power. And so universal religion is sort of kind of difficult for people to get their heads around. But in the right set of circumstances of catastrophes and false prophets who are going to be entering the stage, I think, pretty soon that are going to list prophecies of doom to convert to the true uh, religion or be Mm -hmm. wiped from the face of the earth, it's going to bring in all of the world religions and back home to the ancient religion and they'll cut off monotheism at Moses that Judaism, Islam, and Christianity um, takes their lead from and from Moses, and they're going to claim Moses as part of the mystical religions of Heliopolis that he took back with them to uh, the land of the covenant, but that polytheist religion went rogue and uh, turned into monotheism. So they're going to present evidence of that, and they're going to de-deify Jesus with uh, alleged evidence that they say that they have that he didn't die on the cross. So look for those things to happen. But you have to have that universal religion if you're going to have the, the Muslims permit the Jewish people to start their sacrifices again on a wing or an overspreading or an extension of the temple, as uh, Daniel um, 11 talks about, and 
you have to have the, those religions sort of getting along and, and following a presence that is powerful enough to to take the lead in all religious aspects all over the world. So those two things are still sort of forming. But then so is the global government still forming. So is the technology still forming. And, and I'll use it as an example of that, and we'll come back to more, and we're going to get this really linked into Babylon and the sorceries before we're done. I just don't want to get too far ahead of people as we sort of lay down what is 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 taking place but what and and taking place in separate lanes as it's being developed so one of the things uh-huh. that they they did in Canada where I'm from is is they introduced the and you'll be familiar with the with the term is the um vaccine passport but what they did was they have you load it on an app um with a QR code that you get and that you have to show that QR code when you're going into places. And you can argue that we're starting to move into that age of the mark of the beast. Yeah. That this is nowhere near what the mark of the beast is going to be, but it is a mark and it is technology and it is being introduced and it's going to be soon to be uh, consolidated into international passports and a system as they're starting to work with you know, on the on the bilateral and probably multilateral levels to get those passports in place. That is, you know, just absolutely crazy in the technology and the implications of that. But we see that happening, and we see AI that is being developed uh, as another parallel lane, and we see quantum computing that's already merging and nexusing point with uh, AI. And so you have all of these different things that are going to be starting to merge, but we're not there yet. So COVID, as a lot of people said, you know, is, is it a um, mark of the beast? No, it's not the mark of the beast, and it's not the worst of the pandemics coming. But what is going to be done and what is going to be put in place, what is going to be tried out by the oppressors, by the, the globalists, is going to, they're going to learn from. And they're not going to do something with this virus quite yet, even though they may have the technology with the mRNA version of, of the, of the, you know, DNA manipulating and messaging sending uh, technology. But they have that ability to do it down the road. And I'm not against science, and I'm not against knowledge. But either can be used for good, and either could be used for evil. And every time the people acquiesce to giving the government more power and access on things, they will always, 100% of the time, abuse it. And we're starting to see that. So, I mean, we went from, you know, give us two weeks to not overwhelm the hospitals to shutdowns and passports and vaccine mandates, and and it's picking up steam when it appears that COVID may be, again, on the decline, even though it may come up with another variant that's going to be on the rise. But we're seeing this concept of advance it, take more rights away, and impose vaccines ongoing. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to work. Yeah. That's that's what, you know, I kept seeing that the, the, the one shot was not going to be enough, that they were going to have to, you know, almost addict people to the shots. And and what what gets me is 
I mean, the population is already going down. There is a movement to depopulate, um, certainly. And and I don't know what is in all of these shots they're giving people that that have only been around for a year or six months. It's it's very frightening as to what they may be putting in the vaccines that that may be corrupting um, our bodies in, in one form or another. And the the point being, you know, you don't there. There has to be, it isn't just the fulfillment of a biblical prophecy. There have to be people out there who are really corrupt that are not following this because it's a biblical prophecy, but because it's a way of them controlling the masses. And at some point, you know, they will understand that they themselves are being controlled as well. But that, you know, there's, there's a whole, there's, there's so much at play here. That, that it boggles the mind and you know you you have the pattern the pattern is being fulfilled and i don't believe that some of these people even understand that they are playing a part in 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 a play that they have no idea what's going on they think they're in control well, and they're not that's, and this, the, that's the big yeah. issue is people don't understand the times that we might be in and what is at play in that all of these seemingly unconnected organizations and people and events aren't connected. They are. It's all directionally following a globalist agenda. And, uh-huh. you know, even, you know, you, you have, for example, uh, uh, this will be a little bit off topic, but it is connected as you have, you know, that massive spending bills that are coming through the Congress right now, the Build Back Better program, which is a word that is, let's say, drafted out of the great global reset that's designed to bankrupt Western governments so that they have to collapse and they um, will reset the whole system and that you're not going to own anything. And uh-huh. they're doing a magnificent job. Hopefully they'll be stalled again on getting it through. But you just see how these things are coming to better because they don't want to have unequal players around the world. They want 10 equal groups of nations or empires that one is no better off than the other. They want a globalist social system put into place. And so we see that, that happening and the people they don't understand, and what, but they tested out and, and proven at least initially. We'll see how many people start to, to to wake up. Is that people will trade their rights for peace and security, and that's the key to Antichrist taking power, um, and including the wars, but for safety and through the health system and through you know the birth pangs are going to be affecting them. They're going to trade that away and not understand that it's a Faustian or Faustian um, contract that they're making. And we're not going to get those rights back if, if it's allowed to go too far. But we can see right well, it, now, uh, I mean, if you look at, if you look at the um, supply chain issues, there were some supply chain issues you know, that were going on last year and a little bit in the beginning, but this is, again, a contrived supply chain. There is no reason because the economy is not any bigger than it was in the worst of the 
collapse of the economies in, in the uh, second quarter of last year, and yet you have this supply chain issue that is not going to be resolved because they don't want it resolved. And again, it's those sort of contrived things that are going on that seem to be separate, but they're not. They're designed to drive people from both ends of the spectrum in a cattle herd fashion into the open arms of those who created the problem and are the globalists that will say, we have the answers, but those won't be the the answers. It's just a crude play for power that eventually they're going to be successful on. Well, these 10 players that, that, are, that are supposedly going to be absorbing everything and dividing everything equally so that they are in power and they have a globalist network, is that where the final Armageddon is between those or is it even further Yeah, it, it's it's certainly part of the, the the same set of events. So when those ten come together uh, under the rule of Babylon, because Babylon rides the the monster, the the dragon, the beast of of empires of all seven global empires that affected Israel, so that would be Egypt. That would be Assyria or Babel, uh, but more likely Assyria, even though the Babylon allegory comes from Babel. That is Babylon, that is Persia, that is Greece, that is Rome, and that and is the rising end-time empire, and then Antichrist will be the eighth. So you'll have the ten set up for the last seven years by uh, Antichrist negotiation, but led by Babylon, and they will be answerable to Babylon but by the midpoint of the last seven years, they're going to grow jealous at the wealth of Babylon because Babylon as a, as a religion will control all commerce as well and will take a tribute or a transaction fee on every transaction that's made around the world. So the fee system will be already in place for Antichrist when he comes to power. They're going to grow jealous and they're going to, throw, they're going to give the power to Antichrist to overthrow Babylon. And that's when they overthrow Babylon uh, he will then set up his uh, throne in Jerusalem and set up the last three and a half years. And then he's going to overthrow three of the ten, as the book of Daniel talks about. So he's going to control those ones himself, I think, by overthrowing them. But as Daniel talks about, there will be uh, problems with some of the southern uh, empires uh, that he's going to have to deal with and have wars with in the last three and a half years. And then there's the kings of the east that are going to be called along with other nations uh, um, to Armageddon for the for the final battle. So it, it is 10, but it's going to be it will start to change after the midpoint of the last seven years. So when you get to this group of 10, do you at this point have a a singular religion, or or are the are the different religions still a part of these different aspects? It will be a new religion then. So you have Babylon that is going to be like an umbrella sort of organization where it's going to have all these different denominations. Everybody's just going to realize and they're going to sell that you've been worshiping the same pantheon of gods all along. You just have different names for the different gods. Uh-huh. And when Babylon is removed, 
that Daniel 11 talks about, Antichrist is going to set up a god and, and worship a god uh, and be like God himself and declare himself as God, as 2 Thessalonians 2.4 talks about, in the temple that their fathers did not know. So this is going to be a new religion that worships him and Satan for the last three and a half years at the time of it's the... Al- um, it's almost like the return of the golden the calf. Yeah, it is I almost mean, like I, that. You know, Very similar. Yeah. It, it, it's um, hard to conceive of, but um, I could see humanity getting to the point where they're so desperate that, you know, they'll do anything that appears that is going to make their lives peaceful. And surrendering all of their independence in order to get peace makes them slaves. Well, it does. And what's really interesting is it will be in sort of all aspects of what we see and know that we'll be giving those things up. It'll be... But there will be a promise of all sorts of great things that go along with it, which they won't be able to deliver. But, you know, when you look at um, what Davos uh, in 2017 was talking about, um, where they envisioned they could get the implant system developed through the healthcare system as its delivery method, that this implant would be connected to a central AI base that would be able to resolve all health issues. And the implant would work not only at the DNA level, but even below that at, you know, the nanobot level and bot level. And it would be able to do things digitally that would provide all the different health that you would need. And that would include medications, so pharmaceuticals, vaccines, vitamins, whatever your body needs, it would be gathering information through the body all the time and then sending that back to this AI central core that would say, you know, send back the messages as to what you need to do to give you that that long-term health, but not just long-term health, but this promise of immortality as well to go along with it. And so they are expecting that people will demand this and demand it through the healthcare system because of things like the pandemics and maybe whatever happens with the famines and that goes along the issues that go along with famines and whatever some of the fallout is on the wars. It could be biological in nature, just as the Chinese have said the next World War III is going to be fought with biological man-made uh, weapons. I think they're well on their way to doing that and that there are two labs in Wuhan, one that's military, one that was uh, sort of the front for science that worked with international organizations and received funding from the U.S. and other places that were developing these Wuhan-like viruses and that all of that information was being sent back and overseen by the military who are planning to use that in their sort of 
uh, roster or bag of weapons for, for, for the next war along with nuclear. So all these different things that people that are going to start to happen when these wars start to kick in and famines start to kick in and more and more pandemics, they're going to demand the healthcare system to deliver whatever it takes to keep them healthy. And that's how they plan on introducing this uh, implant system. So again, that is combining AI. And one of the other things that they're wanting to do with it, which is that uh, parallel AI and quantum computing uh, merger at places like CERN and other places around the world, is that AI permits quantum computing to search multiple dimensions at the same time. And don't get lost on the God particle and the misinformation out there that they're looking for. They are looking for a specific particle, and they may even actually... You know, underneath everything, call it the God particle, but not the one that people are talking about. The one that they're looking for comes out of the uh, Vedas and the Upanishads, and it's called the Atma particle. And what's interesting about where they get that name from is most of the quantum pioneers in terms of the physics basically said that if you wanted to understand quantum mechanics and quantum math and quantum physics, you need to understand the Upanishads because it defines everything and gives you that sort of guiding sort of information. And that that is still thought of within the, the science field today as an important sort of conceptual nature to understand quantum computing. And what they're searching for is that Atma particle that is recorded in those scriptures. And the Atma particle is this invisible particle that contains and transmits knowledge, all of the knowledge of the universe. And it's invisible and it merges with visible particles, at least as, you know, as a layman's term in terms of what science is able to identify as a, as a particle as opposed to the atma particle that they can't identify yet. That merges with a solid particle, so to speak, that would, through quantum entanglement, transmit all of the knowledge of the universe throughout the universe and multiple universe instantaneously all of the time. They're trying to hack into that to offer the second pillar of knowledge of, of Godhood, which would be unlimited knowledge. And that all comes through this implant system as well. So again, all of these sort of different lanes are developing. And so what the mark of the beast is going to be, we don't know. Uh, it's still developing, but it will be something that is AI and multi-dimensional uh, capabilities that can link the whole world almost into this Borg one mind and track everybody and everything and every transaction. And it is going to be a system we just can't even imagine yet because all of these lanes of technologies haven't quite yet merged, but they're developing and they're testing, and they're preparing for that emergence uh, through the implant system, which is the beast system. Well, what confused me, and still does, while COVID is man-made um, and, and was released, I mean, they wiped out a, a, a tremendous amount of their own population when they released it. So it doesn't make sense to me, you know, if you have a weapon okay but but you don't use it on your own people or or is it that they don't care about singular individuals they're looking at numbers in different places is that what it is 
you know, it could be either because it could be a legitimate mistake on how it leaks out. And we get reports of that in September of 2019 um, and uh, having to replace all of the different kinds of equipment. And we also get reports before there's any official release of, you know, when they thought it got out, like in December, well, you're getting reports that in early December and, and medical people getting sick and then it's backdated to, to November and then it's backdated to October where you have the military games that uh, it, in Wuhan that is thought that that's where it spread out to initially to, to, to the rest of the world. Um, and so that could have happened accidentally or... Life is not that valuable in China. If you've not visited China and talked to the culture and look at what going on goes on there, life does not have the same value there as what we do here. So within that type of political system that comes out of a political system that killed somewhere between 60 and 100 million people, yes, they're capable of doing that. Because we've seen that we we have seen them do that in this generation, and so both are possible. We don't know which, but what we do know is the military wants to have these kind of biological weapons for the next war. And that's where we really might see the ramp up of these types of pandemics that might be coming forward. And who knows that we it may be being launched from many different countries that that are doing that. Well, I know that. Um that China has now changed their their restrictions on people from having one baby to now they can have three. So they must have decimated themselves yeah. unbelievably. Well, and also they've, they've got a situation where they have too few that are working to support that aging generation, right? <laughs> so they need yeah. to replenish underneath to, to make things kind of work. So it could be both, right? I mean, and you never get the real story that comes out of the Chinese. I mean, they, they'll they never tell you the, the whole truth, even if it's the easiest thing to do. They just won't do it. Um, so we'll never know exactly what their motivations are, I think. But I think, again, we need to just sort of look at things that are um, sort of directional there. And what's really well, you know, interesting for, you know, the – go ahead. Well, I was going to say for the first time in my lifetime that I can remember, we've had bodies stacking up that we couldn't bury. I mean, you know, we, we had so much death so rapidly that we, we were really putting um, corpses into refrigerated um, trucks because there was no place to put the bodies. And that, to me, is a sign of, of, of you know, horror. And, and I would imagine that in other places in the world where they don't have the same technology that we do, that it must have been even worse. You there? Yeah, and Gary? you know, there's so oh. much. There's yeah, I'm there. Yeah, um, there's so much part of the world that has not received any vaccines at all. So you wonder, you know, how, how large the the damage has has become. Um, that's not you know officially reported, but again, I look at 
this is just the start. This is not the pandemic. This is just the beginning. So what's being like, learned look at, look at, uh, by the globalists look at, look at, is is how they... Look at, yeah, look, look at what's happening, though. I mean, we sent over vaccines to India that supposedly were going to help people with HIV and things like that, and it killed whole whole towns. And and people now don't trust the vaccines that are coming out, and, and we're not, they're not lining up blindly like they did because because they don't trust what's in the vaccine. They don't trust them, and and there's so much confusion in the news, and and there's so much you know conspiracy theories too that. The, the the general public, you know, I think the public is getting less and less controllable, and doesn't that suggest that that riots and all sorts of things can come out of that? Yes, and martial law with it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Anarchy is the ally of the globalists, and they're doing everything to bring down borders and keep front and center issues and catastrophes that transcend borders so that they can institute more of a global approach to bring in the globalist system. And so they'll, they'll milk and cause as much anarchy as they can because it works in their favor. At least they think they do. And if, you know, I'm sure there gets to be a point where it gets out of their control, but then I shudder at the reaction. I, I shudder how they put it down. Well, if you've got anarchy and if you've got um, martial law and then you've also got um, militias all over the place, I mean, we have internal wars on top of external wars um, you know, people are starting to hoard again. And um, with all those ships that are off the coast that have stuff in them that that is not being downloaded or if it's being downloaded, it's not being shipped out. I mean, we are being put into a, um, a vice that sooner or later it, it's going to explode. I don't see how... Suddenly there will be a flood of material and everybody will go back to normal because I don't even remember what normal was. And, and yeah. I think that that's, yeah. that's part of the whole plan. Yeah, the, the scar tissue is just uh, enormous coming out. And I, I, I do think it could cause, you know, interpolitical situations. I, I could see, you know, Canada coming apart. I could see the U.S. splitting into uh, perhaps two different nations as well. And so uh-huh. I see lots of that going on. And you're, you're kind of seeing it the way they're false flagging everything out there and saying it's either black or white all the time. And it's, you know, them against us. And they're splitting it down the middle. So, and they're, and in doing so, unfortunately, they're creating a subclass, right? A subclass of people that they will deem not worthy to be on this on the face of the earth and genocide is going to follow which is again part of the end time prophecies where genocide is going to be immense for everybody who stands up against 
the new world order or against Antichrist in the last three and a half years because that's a separate genocide from the first three and a half years. And as this thing is coming together, you've got tribulation there. Revelation 2.9 says there will be 10 days of tribulation. And typically understanding a week of years, that's a, a day is a year, as you overlay Daniel and Revelation together. And the last seven years is the last week of years. That would be 10 days of tribulation. Uh, so that's three years before the last seven years. And so you're going to have a buildup into that tribulation. So there's going to be persecution that is even before that. But that genocide is going to be absolutely immense of all those that are against Babylon, all of those that are against the global estate, all those that don't just follow the rules on the ramp up of this. You know, and we're seeing that now and we're seeing people cheering that on. You know, this whole idea that uh, you have the ability to dictate what you can put into your body is a fundamental human right. And their answer is is to turn them into non-humans and not let them uh-huh. work, not let them to associate. And that is the seeds of genocide. Well, it, it reminds me so much of World War II um, with how the Jewish people were treated. And, you know, you've got exactly. the vaccinated and the non-vaccinated. And it's, it's, it's a horrible thing to see. And, and it, there is anger on both sides. You know, both feel, yes. both have the, you know, the vaccinated have the right to be vaccinated if they want to, and the, the non-vaccinated have the right to not. But then there's anger between the groups. There's, I mean, I am. I I was for a while separated from my family because I had not had a shot. I I lived in the same town, and yet I couldn't be with my grandchildren. I mean, and and so while I I am not in it favor is, of it is, you know yeah it 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 was well, blackmail. It, it is insanity. It is it is it is insanity and what might I say inhuman to say to those people that were on the front lines on the uh-huh. front lines of, I don't care whether it was a grocery store or police or paramedics and ambulance drivers or everybody in the hospital, to now say to those people who say that they don't want to have uh, the vaccine to turn our backs on them and shun them when they put their lives on the line for us all throughout you know, the last year and a half. It's it's just, I mean, nobody could imagine that most people would be for that. It, it, there's, there's, a, there's a better way, but that third option in terms of how do we accommodate both is not being talked about. It is this side will win and we will overrule the Constitution and I know it's harder in the U.S. What we learned in the pandemic in Canada is our Constitution isn't worth anything and that our rights aren't a right, they're a privilege. And, you know, we weren't allowed to leave our health zone here in British Columbia last year. Um, we were, I mean, you couldn't get through. It was, they had the police on the highways shutting it down. It was unbelievable. And it's nothing like what, what what has gone on in Australia. If people don't oh, think yeah. that this is heading down 
the road of totalitarianism and that these rights are not going to be easily re-implemented, that's exactly what the oppressors are counting on. What, I mean, what's their point? You're, they're, they're basically wiping out the population, and, and eventually there will be nobody but the, um, the privileged, and mm-hmm. they won't be, you know, they're not going to take the garbage out. So what happens then? Well, they'll have enough people um, in their new age of elitists and people that they want to have there, which will typically be bloodlines and ones with the genes or the spark of the divine, as it's also known, the thousand points of light. They're identifying that through all the different databases, that you know, even as we speak, as to who they would like to have living in sort of the elite level and then they get to decide who's going to be you know in a small merchant class because it's going to be all rich oligarchs uh in this system that are going to be you know running things and it'll be the old feudal system that they're wanting to bring in but they're going to need just need a slave class so there will be those that they would consider mundane but we need a slave class and it'll be just as it was in old. So it'll be like the days of Noah again. And that's what they're trying to bring back. That's why they call it the New Atlantis. They want that golden age. And they're going to bring that back. And that's what the globalists are trying to do. And if people aren't familiar with the Atlantean um, uh, accounting of Plato and Critias and Timaeus, there was ten kings that overruled the Atlantean Empire that was considered the helm of world government and the knowledge and goodness of the antediluvian world. And that's what they would like to put back in place. That being said, these were arrogant people. It wasn't that it was a time of peace and tranquility. It was a time of power. Um so so if we get down to the ten groups, the ten city-states, whatever you want to call them, um, and then jealousy steps in. Well, you know, it, it, this is all written out here. It's all been in the Bible. It's all, it's, all, it's all there, and people can see it coming about. Is there no way to, to sort of switch it off and change the direction? Oh, I think there's that ability to do it, but the question is, is will we do it? Because in Timothy, there's a godless generation. There's a generation that's reserved that will easily accept the doctrines of the world and the world wisdom and will, you know, turn their hearts cold. So I won't go through all the details of that prophecy, but there is that generation that is reserved for the ordained time. But also, it's the brainwashing that goes along with it. And I also think there is not only the brainwashing, but if you look at any sort of cult, they usually use some sort of drugs and things like that. And uh, to try and keep people sort of dumbed down and, 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 and not being able to critically think. And that's why they sort of go, go hand in hand. 
Well, you know, in in the book of Revelations, um, there's uh, a couple of words, and they're all essentially the the same, uh, but it's basically sorcerer, sorceries, and um, sorcerer. So you have that is used three or four times in the book of Revelation. What's interesting about that term, and understand that term comes out of the King James Version Bible, so it may be talking more about magic spells in another um, translation. And, you know, the verses, you know, I'm talking about are Revelation 18.23 and Revelation 9.21 and Revelation 21.8 and 22.15. Before I define what that actually means, understand that the people who created the Royal Society which is the beginning of modern science, that all education and science pays tribute to today, that's called the Royal Society or the Invisible College, was uh-huh. created by the Rosicrucians and the Freemasons uh, when, with the charter in 1662 by King Charles. And they called themselves the last of the sorcerers and the first of the scientists. And they didn't place that word in there when they did the translation without any reason or cause. Now, that's not what you should hang your hat on. That's just something that people ought to know uh, in the New Baconian language who wrote the New Atlantis that the end time and emerging of science and religion is based on with the world government, the New Atlantis. Uh, and is who was the inspirational founder for the Royal Society, and he, is, he has one of there are one of three portraits in the entrance to the Royal Society as you walk in, and one of those is Francis Bacon because he's the uh-huh. inspirational founder. Here's here's the connection that people need to be aware of is that in Revelation 18:23, Babylon, who is going to be the catalyst and the glue to bring about the Ten King Empire, the world government, and is the world religion. And we know it's the world religion in Revelation 17 because she sits on many waters. And we know, and, and I don't, I can, if we want, we can go through some of the uh, allegories and the meaning of the words to the mystery religion and all the descriptions that take it back to this mystery religion of, of Babel. But the important thing to remember here, it, it is a universal religion. And those words, sorceries, they go back to a specific set of Greek words, which are all essentially meaning the same thing. But in Revelation 18.23 is all the nations are deceived by her sorceries. And those words are pharmakia, pharmakos, and pharmakos. And pharmakos. Pharmakia, let's say, is more of the root word, is the source word coming out of Greek because the New Testament was written down in Greek, and that's the Greek words that are used, is the source word for pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And so the pharmaceuticals can break down into several different categories, prescription drugs, which, you know, the world is being ridiculously over-medicated. And I'm not against pharma, you know, pharmaceuticals for health, but it's being overdone. It can also mean illegal drugs, which we're seeing all sorts of illegal drugs and 
starting with the pharmaceuticals, like the opioid addictions. And it can also mean vaccines. And what's interesting as you take that word pharmaceuticals or pharmacus and pharmacaya and pharmacos back to its meaning, it means a chemical potion or a treatment. And it's prepared by a sorcerer, which is a priest or a scientist, uh, you know, developing the ancient knowledge. And it's also a charm and a spell. And so Babylon is going to control the people through her sorceries through the pharmaceuticals that includes the vaccinations and they're going to supply the contrived catastrophes for that. That's going to drive people to their solution, which will be their types of medications, their types of vaccines, their types of implants to protect them. That is actually dumbing them down and making them more pliable to doing this, not only with a motivation, but no ability to critically think properly after a while. And what's really horrifying to think is, is that when you have the mark of the beast system that Antichrist is going to implement at the three and a half year point after destroying Babylon, after setting up its new religion, that this is going to be part of the religious system, Antichrist takes over that system that's already in place. So this is going to be well established before he takes power. It's going to be just sitting there for him, the whole beast system. And for those who take the mark, and just for accuracy, it also says, or worship Satan and or worship Antichrist in the last three and a half years. But those who take the mark as well, it does something that violates the laws of creation. And the only other thing that I know of that violated the laws of creation is what happened before the flood with the fallen angels mating with human females to create demigods, the offspring of gods and a human female, as is known in polytheism, and creating this new race of giants that usurped the governments of the world and set up their feudal system with the relatives of all the nobility class both before the flood and then again after the flood, after Babel, with the mystical religions that come out of Babel, and the mystical religion comes from the Enochian mysticism, son of Cain, not son of Seth, or son of Jared, I mean, uh, from the, the good side, but of the rebellious side of Cain, and Enoch was his first son. And that knowledge and religion is what crosses the flood at Babel, which is going to be the end-time religion. This is the same system that's being put in place for the end time that people will be um, worshiping and being part of. And this is what Antichrist takes over. And so that violation against the laws of creation that created the Nephilim, that created the counterfeit spirit, as the book of Enoch talks about, that created the bodiless spirits of these giants that roam because they're not permitted to go to heaven and they're not permitted to go, go to go to sleep. And I got a doc, lots of documents on this for people, uh, particularly on the demons or on who the sons of God were. Just get a hold of me; I'll send you those those documents. That is the violation against creation that the fallen angels aren't going to be forgiven for. And so, in the end time at Armageddon, those fallen angels, all but Satan, 
are going to be sent to the lake of fire. So in the end time, you're going to have fallen angels released from the abyss who created uh, or violated those laws of, of creation plus ones that didn't go to the abyss because not all were impassioned and only the most evil and the most impassioned ones, the ones who sexually violated the laws of creation, went to the abyss. They will be released, but all the fallen angels will go to the lake of fire after Armageddon. And those who take the mark of the beast or worship Satan or worship Antichrist in the last three and a half years are also going to the lake of fire, but not for the second death, but to burn forever for violating the laws of creation that somehow this mark does. The only sin that's not forgivable, as it's talked about in the book of Matthew, is a sin or a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which provides all life, not the soul, the spirit that comes from heaven, because there's a spirit and there's a soul and there's a body, as the Bible teaches. And the spirit is of heaven, the soul and the body are the oiketarian, are the, the place for the dwelling place for the spirit on earth that comes from heaven. And all life comes through the spirit at God's command. That's the violation that is never forgiven. And the only two things that I know of in the Bible are the, the sins that were created in Genesis 6, 1 through 4, and all the corruption to the uh, plant genome, animal genome, and human genome that went along with that, and those who are going to take the mark at the midpoint of the last seven years. So when we're talking about pharmaceuticals and we're talking about sorceries and we're talking about end time, this all comes together into that beast system that is going to, by hook or by crook, by invitation or by force, force us into this beast system that comes with that implant that they were talking about at the Davos 2017 forum. So, so this, so, so when we come to this time and this period, the angels aren't really released until after the ten families have quarreled and solidified and the Antichrist has taken over whatever is left of the ten families as, as one unit. So that, so that that is where the Antichrist is. It's after the ten families have warred against one another and combined as one. Is that when the Antichrist takes over? Yeah, two things is there's two sets of fallen angels, ones that are in the abyss right uh -huh. now and ones that are out of the abyss. They'll be joined towards the midpoint of the last seven years when the abyss is open for all of those ones that were sent in before the flood for their crimes. And if those crimes were recommitted again shortly after the flood, and I think that's how giants show up, those ones would be in the, in, in the abyss as well. Um, so they would be coming out, but not all the fallen angels are in the abyss, just the ones who who violated those uh, laws of creation. And so you've got fallen angels that are working along with the demons that aren't in the abyss. And again, we know there's some demons that are in the abyss, the body of the spirits of the giants, and it's recorded in Ezekiel 32, which are along the sides of the abyss the ones that are talking to Pharaoh in that prophecy, and it'll list them out. They're called the terrible ones, and they're the Rephaim after the flood. So we know there's uh -huh. demons in 
the abyss and we know there's demons out. So between the demons out and the fallen angels out, they're working to bring this about with the globalists and the secret societies to bring about this Babylon religion and global empire of, of the end time. And so it would be a mistake to think that they're not getting help from them because they know their time is short and they don't want to do it at the ordained time. So they're going to try and bring it about sooner. But the problem for them is, is that until the restrainer is removed, you can't have the end time. You can have Michael who is fighting and he may be the restrainer. It could be the whole, uh, the Holy Spirit. But if it's Michael, I mean, he fights against the empires as the book of Daniel talks about, but only to prevent an antichrist figure from getting control of those beast empires. And so you have antichrist wannabes like Nebuchadnezzar and or um you know julius caesar or alexander as and i won't go through all of the beast empires but you get sort of the idea of who those wannabes uh-huh. would want to be but michael is fighting against them but this 10 nation empire is going to be allowed to 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 rise so michael is still going to be fighting until the midpoint when he stands up um to, to to Satan in the war of heaven. So what happens in that chronology is is that the ten kings do come together, but at the ordained time, he is going to step back and permit Antichrist to take power so all things can be fulfilled. And that's at the time of the trumpets and at the time uh, of the rise of Antichrist with the abomination. And if you look at Daniel 12, when Michael stands, that also matches up with Revelation 12, when there's the war in heaven which uh, after the war in heaven and all the angels who rushed to try and defeat God in heaven, they're all thrown down with Michael and the loyal armies down to the earth for the last three and a half years, whom Antichrist just has taken power of. And both Antichrist and Satan will turn against fleeing Judea, who have fled Jerusalem at the midpoint and are going to be protected for three and a half years. Revelation 12 will give you that date. Um, after fleeing uh, Satan, who is going to spew this river out for them. And then the dragon and Antichrist will turn on all those who still hold up the testimony of Jesus and who refuse the mark of the beast. And so you get that chronology that's set up rather nicely, but you have to understand when and how the players come in into play. So that last three and a half years is going to be an inventful set of years if, if we're still here um even though the first three and a half years are going to be horrible and that first three and a half years at the time of the rise of the ten king empire when babylon is in absolute control as a universal religion these are the saints that are being martyred for holding up the testimony of jesus that is shown in revelation 7 um that the ones in revelation 6 who are the first fruit of the resurrection are told to wait for, and they are martyred in the, in, in the name of Jesus. And they are told to wait for those who are going to be martyred in the name of Jesus that will be killed in the first three and a half years. And they show up after uh, the tribulation, but they're shown throughout the full three and a half years. The rest of the first fruits 
uh, are going to be taken up to heaven with the two witnesses at the midpoint because their commission was for the first three and a half years in Revelation 11. And the 144,000 who are shown in heaven in Revelation 14 as well. And so you get that persecution and that genocide that is absolutely unbelievable. And that follows the other three years of tribulation that Revelation 2, 9 talks about. And we get this shown in Jesus's chronology in, in Matthew 9, where you have this have uh, have the affliction, and then that's followed up the saints, and then you have the following details of people turning against each other and turning each other in, and people being killed and sent to prison and persecuted. That word affliction is the Greek word thalipis, which is the same word used later on in in Matthew and other parts of the Bible as well, and then also through uh, the Gospels talking about. Uh, the end time, that's the word tribulation. And so you get the great tribulation that happens just after the abomination in Matthew 20, uh, that the great tribulation will then take place after this first tribulation of the saints, which is called tribulation of the saints in Revelation 7. And the great tribulation is the great tribulation of the world that hasn't that the world hasn't seen since the beginning, since creation. That's how horrible the last three and a half years are going to be. So when all this is said and done, what happens to the earth? Or is the earth gone? Oh, no, it's just the end of this part of the age. So Jesus steps in uh, at the end of the last seven years and probably just before because he shortens the days lest the whole earth and all the people be destroyed. So he set, he, he jumps in and you have the battle of Armageddon just before that complete utter destruction. And then those who are still alive on the earth and those that weren't killed uh, by Jesus with his double-edged sword at that time, they're going to survive and populate the earth uh, in the millennium. And that's also going to include awakening lost Israel, which is the lost tribes of the northern that are going to be awakened um, probably starting before the last seven and a half years, but in particular with the preaching of the gospel that is in part by the 144,000 and the two witnesses. And there's also one angel in Revelation 14 that preaches the last of the gospel before everything is sealed for the last three and a half years. They're going to be awakened by the 144,000 that are sent sent out from the tribes of, of Israel. And they're going to be persecuted, and they're going to be imprisoned. And Jesus is going to come back and free them, as Luke 4 and Isaiah 61 talks about, in, term, in the time of the year of the Lord's favor, to break them out of the prisons um, and to lead them in exodus to the wilderness where Judah, from the country of Israel today, those who flee at the time of the abomination, who have been protected for the three and a half years, they'll be joined with them before Armageddon when they go through their judgment and atonement. And they're going to accept Jesus as their Messiah, and so will Judah when they see the sign, that they'll mourn for the one like that they pierced, 
like there was the only son. They will recognize and they will recognize Jesus as their Savior, both awake in Israel, invisible Judah that's in the wilderness, that was taken on the, the same sort of allegory as in the Exodus on the wings of eagles. Um, and the visible people of Judah will join the, vis- the, the awake in Israel and they will be led as Micah 5 and 2 talks about with Jesus at their head or their Lord and Messiah and their king at their head will lead them in the second exodus. And those who go under the judgment and uh, at that time will and who are not judged worthy, you know, of not going into the millennium, they'll also populate the millennium as well. So there will be people that survive and you're going to have this thousand years as as prophecy in the Bible talks about that is set aside for the reign of Jesus that will be in direct direct comparison and be directly opposite to the 6,000 years since Adam of corruption, war, violence, all sorts of horrible things. This will be an age that is free of that as comparison, which will sort of testify against the fallen angels uh, as to the rule that they did. And then Satan will be ruled, released at the end of that thousand years. And guess what? He actually finds people that will rebel against God. And there's almost like another mini uh, Armageddon because that rebellion is put down before we move on into a new earth and a new heavens and into eternity. When... Rapture happens, and those who and, and the two witnesses are taken up. Do they come back down, or are they they stay up? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting question. So what happens is that understand there's a uh, sequence of resurrections. There's a, a resurrection sequence of Christ, the first fruits, and I've already talked about the first fruits. Uh, and then when he comes, um, those who are still alive will be instantly transformed in the rapture. And those who died in Jesus, but not the martyred ones, because that's part of the first fruits, um, will be resurrected back to uh, to heaven uh, with, uh, uh, with Jesus. And you will also have a resurrection of those who didn't worship Antichrist, and Satan and didn't take the mark because they're going to be resurrected at the end of the last three and a half years to rule with Jesus as Revelation 20 tells us about with him. And we're also told through the resurrection process that those who are resurrected will receive a body like Jesus's body. And Jesus's body, um, we know, was left intact with the resurrection. In fact, Thomas had to touch the wounds after Jesus was resurrected, to actually believe that he was still alive and it wasn't some sort of fake or anything like that. And then Jesus takes that body with him back to heaven. And so the word became flesh, and that's something new, that you're going to have a body that can go between heaven and earth, just as all who will be resurrected. We're going to have that new body as well as the New Testament talks talks to us about And that's really unique because heaven is made up of the spirit beings. And before the word became flesh in Jesus, 
it was only spirit, just as God is only spirit, just as the Holy Spirit is only spirit, and just as yeah. the angels in heaven are spirit. And when they came into the physical world, they can interact in this spiritual sort of essence, but not in the same physical way as we can. But the angels have that changeling capability. And so they would need a dwelling place for their spirit. That's that oikaterian. That is the soul and the body, just as Jude 1.6 is where that term oikaterian comes from. That's the habitation that those fallen angels left to commit the sins. And that means a dwelling place for the spirit, as also in 2 Corinthians 5.2, the house in heaven goes back to oikaterian as well. It's only used twice in Greek in, in, in the New Testament. So this is a dwelling place for the spirit. So you have a dwelling place for the spirit in heaven and a dwelling place for the spirit on earth, which is the soul and the body, which only God can divide, and God and Jesus can divide. And so that's how, by creating that oikaterian, that physical body, that they could procreate with human females and pass on that DNA and reproduce the, the giants. And so this is something new that is going to happen, is, is that now you're going to have a physical body that can go back between either the spirit dimension or the physical dimension. Very cool. So what happened to the Antichrist? Now, and now, if, if, if indeed, you know, if... If we have a, a body, a soul, and a spirit, the Antichrist, does, does the Antichrist have the body, soul, and spirit, or is the Antichrist uh, a spiritual being that is taken bodily, um, human form? In other words, is the Antichrist... I think it's both. I think... You know, angelic in nature? Yeah, I think it's both. Or... I think... Okay, go. <laughs> I, I, I think it's both. So, and what we do know is, is Antichrist receives the power from the dragon, and Antichrist is talked about as a as a he, and receives a mortal head wound. So, you have what I think is the avatar, either Satan or Azazel or maybe both, but uh, Satan for sure because the power comes from Satan is going to be the avatar for the avatar Antichrist and resurrect him in the in the counterfeit resurrection. So I think he's going to be partly both uh, in in his reign in the last three and a half years or so, and his resurrection might happen sometime just before the midpoint as he's rising to power, which would obviously vault in his popularity. And it might even happen early on in, in the first three and a half years, but sometime before the midpoint. And so what happens to Antichrist is that him and the false prophet, and just as Jesus has Elijah, the false prophet is the counterfeit Elijah that's going to make the way for uh, Antichrist and perform all those miracles that Revelation 13 talks about for him. And both of them are tossed into the lake of fire directly. They're not even killed first. They go from physical earth at, at the time of the loss of the Armageddon battle instantly into the lake of fire. And that's where they will burn forever as well. And those ones who have violated the laws of creation, they're not permitted the second death, that in the resurrection of the dead in Revelation 20, 
they will be judged accordingly to either go to the lake of fire or not by God and Jesus, and I'll leave that up to God. Um, and those at that, at that time will go for the second death. So there's clearly a different sort of circumstances that are for the fallen angel, Satan, and those who take the mark of the beast in the last three and a half years, and for Antichrist and false prophets. Uh, as to how they're to suffer the lake of fire forever. So if angels are eternal, how do you... They are. They can't die. So so Satan is... So he can only be imprisoned, he can't be killed? Well, no, he he goes to the abyss like the... He goes well, he goes to the abyss for a thousand years and then yeah. he goes to the lake of fire. He's not he's not going to be dead. They are immortal. It'll be like being dead to the rest of you know, everything, you know, the rest of the existing dimensions and universes and places, but they'll be in this place where they'll never be seen from again. But immortal is immortal. I suppose God can kill an angel. He created everything, but they are immortal. But um, the language seems pretty clear that those going to the lake of fire for violating the laws of creation, they burn forever. So I think they're, you know, all the fallen angels and Satan will join them a little bit later, but he has the same um, destiny, not destiny, but the same fate for him as well. So my question is, and you, uh, you know, this is a big one. What was God thinking? I mean, what was the purpose of putting His children through all of this? What What was the purpose that we were supposed that we are supposed to learn from from going through all of this over thousands of years? And, and and to go through yeah. a tribulation and, and then a second tribulation. Why? Why? Yeah. I mean, he was... Free choice. He is... Free. Well, then, then what's simple. to say we don't, we don't screw up again? I mean... Well, what we're, we're told is, is that he's going to transform us and write the laws on our hearts. And I don't know how how or what that means, but... It will be something that will help us um, to want to fulfill, you know, doing good and not going rogue. Um, but I suppose if you did go rogue on a what if, they probably you would end up going to the lake of fire as well. But the bigger question was, it's more than free choice, but that's what it's based on. So if you roll things back to the beginning, angels are created even before creation. So at some point yeah. in time after creation that you have a rebellion. And I think it fits best in between Genesis 1-1 to 1-2, but I'm fine if it's after that as well. But there's a rebellion. And they were created immortal without choice. But they did have free choice to follow God or not. And they knew God intimately. They know how good he was. They knew how powerful he was. But yet they rebelled anyways through free choice. And I know from my, well, I don't know, but I I believe from my faith is that they knew that they could not defeat God. 
but they weren't trying to defeat God. They were trying to win a realm on their own, away from God, away from the rule of God, and completely separate from God, and led by Satan, who is probably, you know, Hale El would be one of his names, as he's called in 1412, Isaiah 1412, when he is, and that's the word, um, you know, that derives from um, Lucifer, which is, uh, you know, Shakar, which, uh, you know, son of the morning, but it is Hail El, son of the morning, not Lucifer, son of the morning, is how it comes out of Hebrew. So you have a an Italian word that's substituted for a Hebrew word into the English language. It makes no sense, except that that's the god of the, the Freemasons. So that's a different story. Um, but anyways, he what he tried to do is raise his throne to heaven to be like God. And... He was wanting to be like God. He didn't say, I wanted to kill God. He wanted to be like God. And he wanted to sit in in God's throne to be like God. And so he wanted his own realm on his own. And that's what they were fighting for all along. So he let that, God lets that play out all through free choice. But the resolution to this angelic rebellion is the creation of the Adamites. And the descendants of Adam are created to bring about the Messiah. And Adam has, again, through free choice, to do it one way of having immortality and all the knowledge of of the world and the good application of that knowledge and access to the tree of life for immortality, but is deceived by the serpent to eat from the knowledge of good and evil, and then they get ostracized, and then they're not allowed access to the tree of life either so they lose sort of both ways on that but god knew everything was going to happen because he's the alpha omega he's above time he knows the beginning from the end and all the names that were written in the book of life that aren't rubbed out were written there from before creation so he knows everything on how it's going to play out but he's greater than free choice and so the angels were trying the fallen angels were trying to prevent humankind to reach their destiny which is why they create the giants, which is why they you know, totally corrupted the world to try and enslave humankind and ensure that they would not be raised up to be like angels and then to judge those fallen angels for the crimes against humanity that they've done throughout the epoch of the Adamites. And that um, the, the human beings who are going to be raised up have to do it with little knowledge through faith, and that after the resurrection, the angels knew their war was over, and all they can do from the resurrection forward is do as much harm as they can. They couldn't prevent after the resurrection, which is why it's important to understand the resurrection process, stop humankind from being raised up. And what's really key is is that even though they're intimate with God, they don't know everything. And they don't know everything God does. And just as Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back, only God knows that specific day and the hour. He probably knows very close, but not the, 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 you know, the day or the time or the hour. So you have this knowledge that's being held back in terms of how God is letting this play out because he knows how it's going to end, and he's already prepared the Messiah plan. And if 
the fallen angels had understood that a resurrection was coming for Jesus, as First Corinthians talks about, they would not have had Jesus crucified. So they didn't know about that. But it's all being played out to all the names, angelic and human, that were written in the name of the book before creation could be fulfilled. And everybody has a chance to, through free choice, to leave those names in there, angel and human, or have them rubbed out. But then, did not God create the Antichrist as well? Well, he the word God created everything through the word, um, uh-huh. and so everything that's created has a choice. Anything that's sentient that's created created has a choice: follow God or not. And those who choose not, their destiny is the lake of fire, well, either through uh, being burned forever or through the second death. But that's the destiny. Uh, because everybody has free choice. It doesn't have to be the fate of everything, everybody that was created, but from the theology that is put forward in the Bible, that's the choice all beings, angelic or human, had the opportunity to make. Huh. It makes you, what if the Antichrist changes his mind? I mean, if we have free well, will. Well, that's all. all that's, I'm, sure, I'm sure that's happened many times because there's always Antichrist figures ready to go. Always. The spirit of ah, the Antichrist yeah. is always lurking, right? So it's always ready to go, and I'm sure that has happened. But God has seen every option play out because he's Alpha Omega, and he knows how it's going to play out, and there will be one at a specific time because he's already seen it play out in his calculation of everything, or he's so far above time he can see it, he knows there's going to be the one that does that, and that's the one who tries to counterfeit being um, the Messiah and is going to um, partner with Satan to try and raise his throne to heaven like Satan tried, as Daniel 8 talks about. Wow. It's, it's you know, it's an amazing um, road of events that, that we're watching, you know, start to, it, it appears that we are watching to start it unwind or or to become reality as opposed to just words in a book. And I think that it does call everybody to question as far as, you know, where is your faith, what is your faith, and what part do you want well, to play? It, it, and... Exactly. Go ahead. Exactly. And, and, and that's why... I like to get information out, and I understand I'm not trying to, um, you know, scare people into, you know, choosing what they believe. Uh, I I just want people to be active in their choice and to know why they believe what they believe. Search things out. Make your own decisions because just going along with the masses – and not making a decision is still a decision. And so yeah. um, learn about things and, 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 and make your own choices and try and verify as much as you can. I, mean, I, I don't know whether or not you're familiar with uh, Karen Kingston, um, the uh, former Pfizer employee and medical consultant. 
Um, and I know this isn't verified, but, you know, she seems to think that, um, and she quotes patent numbers and everything that um, the U.S. Uh, Department of Defense and State uh, that is working uh, very aggressively on transhumanism, uh, that's going to be working with the uh, um, AI and uh, vaccines and things is that um, they've got a, a patent on this uh, um, coronavirus um, that there is something in in the vir- in the in the vaccines that can interact with AI and have you you know an identification for ID and to evaluate medical by medical data and that transmits that to uh, a server or an app and that this is all part of the nanoparticle technology and then the drug delivery system that's you know targeted to uh, be a mass release on, on you know for all therapies and so the target is is to get uh, you know 70 percent of the world vaccinated so that they can start bringing in this uh, uh, collection of the data and by yeah. collecting that data they can isolate people and say who's most at risk and use that as an excuse to make sure that they can't work or can't buy anything or can't associate with people and uh, so I again it would be interesting to see whether or not that is misinformation or not but it certainly goes along with that sort of understanding that the new kind of vaccines that sends messages you know at the cellular level at the DNA level will have the ability in the not so do so distant future to go even lower level uh within yeah. your system but just the ability to change that DNA that's a violation against the laws of creation. So, and I'm not yes, saying if you take uh, the the vaccine, but because that it comes to fruition with the complete mark of the beast. But understand, this is the building blocks that are being put in place for the mark of the beast system. Yeah, and you know, I have to, I have to say, you know, we have come to the end of our of our two hours and. And I want to thank you so much. Um, I hope that we've put out information that people can take and use and apply as is appropriate to their to their belief system and, and their understanding of the physicality of our species. And, and I want to thank you so very much. And, and uh, you've been a phenomenal guest. And, and you know, I'm going to obviously you'll be back again. And I want to thank thank you. So much for being with us tonight. It's been a, a real honor to have you on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me, and, and hopefully I've provided a few things for people to think about and dig into a little bit deeper themselves because it's important that people start to take more control of what position they want to play in this changing world that seems to be almost going insane at this point in time. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. And um, I want to thank everybody for listening. This is going to be up on YouTube. And after it's up there, please take a look, see if you like what you see and hear. If you do, please subscribe. And uh, 
That's how we know that we're on the right track and we're giving you information that you find of of value to yourself and, um, and to your loved ones. So good night, everybody. Thanks for being here. And we'll see you next week. Good night now.